You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support and see some ways you can help us out. For episode 16, we got some follow-up here, and, uh, you know, as becoming a trend here is we have to say something about Tidal, uh, you know, every week until it departs from this world. And uh, so, Matt, what is our title, our weekly title update? Yeah, just a small snippet from a news article that I read. The co-founder of Martin Lawrenson was asked about title or his opinion on it. And there was this great quote saying, Spotify seems unbothered. I've got 99 problems and Jay-Z is not the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> Zing. And that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah. So that's our title update. We don't really have a title update. Yeah. So, Mike, explain to us what's what was these strange noises that we heard at the beginning of the episode. Ah, uh, so there's a yet another web app for music creation. This one's really cool. You you type letters into a box, and uh, a beat will be automatically generated. And the length of the phrase will be the number of characters you typed, but also the sounds will be dependent on which letters and numbers you type. And it's called Type Drummer, and it's just a lot of fun to mess around with. I thought. And I, I don't know if it was a Benji drew our attention to this, or did you already know about it? Yes, I think it was Benji. And I, th- and I thought the, the drum samples were actually pretty nice. I mean, for some reason, you've got a, uh, um, maybe it's something to do with the, uh, with the bit rate, but there was a high noise floor. Other than that, I think the samples, they sounded quite well. So I could see myself actually using those. It sounded like a, a Roland 808 or 909 or yeah. one of those classic electronica kits. And uh, I, I love seeing these little tools pop up and just really accessible ways for people to mess around with music. And um, just more and more, it seems like every day there's a, another tool that for like generating arpeggios and and uh, different kinds of melodies. Much like this little app right here, um, where you oh, can yeah. you have you have to, have to have a webcam for this if you're going to try this on, and of course speakers, and it will capture your your video display to you and the way you move or yeah uh, there was a demo that i saw and i tried it myself where you put your hands up and it spans it spans this web between your hands and for some reason that's the way you can control some arpeggios i couldn't really i would say i wouldn't i didn't really control it i just played with it i don't know how to control any aspect of the arpeggio but it's right. fun to play around with and it seems especially keyed on motion so it's not like you can leave your hand somewhere and it continues yeah, right. If you just, moving. if you're completely still, it just doesn't do anything. So it's, uh, motionemotion.herokuapp.com. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, and it puts like this, like, little, it looks like a prism, these little colored polygonal triangles. And, uh, it's also little smiley face emoticons all around. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> they happen. I don't know what they do yet. I don't know if it's like supposed to like make the music happier or sad based on the, the mood it detects. <laughs> but, uh, no, this thing's weird, and uh, it's, yeah, I don't know, you, you're tempted to feel almost like a, a crazy sorcerer or something, <laughs> a music sorcerer. Yeah, 
something they could have done with the uh, motion control they added to the PlayStation 3 halfway through its lifetime and never took off. So I've seen something kind of like this motion emotion. Um, just a uh, different artists that have come through town that are using uh, the, the Xbox Connect um, SDK, presumably to program. It was more visualization type stuff. So they had like a, um, I won't say I was impressed by it other than it was just cool to see the Connect being used for music. But, uh, I bet someone could do a lot better. So let me describe what they were doing now that I just downplayed it to oblivion. Um, so they, they had basically some kind of like visualizer, like you would see in a music software that just takes your music and creates visual patterns out of it. And, uh, obviously it was interpreting the, the dancer's motion in front of it and turning that into visuals for a show. And, uh, in this particular show, it was really, really afterthought, like, there was like, you know, some groupie from the band was the one that stood in front of the connect and would kind of play with it while the, the, the actual band played their show. But I could see that as a, an interesting way to bring crowd interactivity into your live music is by having some aspect of your music that is controlled by a view of the crowd and the way they move. And you can make them really feel some ownership over something. Yeah. Uh, there's a Japanese artist who does something similar in a way that some parts of his, his concerts are like when you're playing an adventure game, an old school adventure game, and you have a choice to make which path you're going to follow. And he's practically um, tasking the, the audience to choose which part of the song is coming next, or I don't know, or a completely different song. And the whole gig set list is more or less um, not instead not set in stone, but the audience participates in that. And yeah, and similar to this, to this arpeggiator app, I just, uh, I just um, remembered that Imogen Heap once built together with a crew those um, gloves and motion control things that she also uses to control, um, to control music. Now I haven't seen that in a while again. I don't know if that, if at some point she just dropped the whole project or if she's still using it or build, are they building it? Um, but um, they, I, we're going to put a video in the show notes about that. Uh, about those yeah. musical gloves. She looks like a motion capture artist in this video. Yep. <laughs> and also from the Matrix. And also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so some other news uh, are worth talking about, <laughs> we well, think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Is uh, American Idol has been canceled. And is this due to, like, people are just like, uh, I'm tired of this, or... Possibly, yeah. Um, I haven't paid attention. Oh, yeah. So their final performance drew only 5.6 million views. So I guess people just don't care anymore. Yep, only five and a half million people care. It's not enough. Right. So that's that's what all this is about. So American Idol is getting canceled and nobody gives a flying fuck about it. It's just... Uh, <laughs> um, there's, there's this America's Top Idol uh, statistic here about how many percent... Um, of people asked care about a certain a certain winner and there's only two of them who have significant numbers and i gotta be honest now coming from overseas i've also only heard of carrie underwood and Car kelly clarkson at some point all the other names completely unknown to me <laughs> yeah let me look at these mm, yeah i got nothing uh taylor hicks i recognize that name i don't have one almost all the votes <laughs> <laughs> not almost all but yep so it's it's this mass 
as much as we always sus uh, suspected. So they had their audience and that audience is shrinking and now it isn't worthwhile to produce the show anymore just for that small yeah. audience. It does seem like the, they've been challenged by the, the, the other series, The Voice, yep. um, which has the lovely Pharrell Williams among other people. Um, so, I mean, it seems like th this category of show is still alive and well, it's just this, this old horse is finally dying. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it mostly, I guess, has to do with that. There's no, not really a twist in it other than, uh, people who are, uh, Simon Cowell or whatever his name is. Yeah, he's not even on it anymore, is he? Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just all the clips that you get on YouTube all the time. But other than that, there was, it was just the prototypical show in that regard. And then you've got the voice with this twist of, oh, you won't, you don't see the singer before you actually heard him. And yeah, it's just. It's the gun stale. It's like the dating game for singing. <laughs> so do you, I mean, would you, do you, or would you watch any sort of music competition shows that have any sort of appeal to you? Nope. No. Um, I sometimes watch when they are, um, doing the Eurovision song contest, but other than that, and, and that's not even like, okay, so we're going to build a superstar here. It's just, hey, let us, let, let our countries compete in a song contest. So it, it's not really the same thing. But other than that, no, those, all those music contest shows, it's just, uh, hype building, emotion building and, um, faking things here and there. And it's, it's just, uh, let's filter out somebody who can, who you can make money off of basically. Yeah. And I just can't, can't shut that out of my thought when I watch those, uh, when I watch those yeah. shows. And I mean, to be fair, there's uh, many of the contestants do have like amazing singing abilities. Yeah. It just, it seems so driven towards diva, pop yeah. diva kind of singing. And I just, it's already been determined I will never be able to enjoy that very deeply. Um, I mean, I can definitely sit back like when an episode's on and be like, wow, that person's got some pipes. And then I'm like, what if they put them to use for non-pop music? What, like, yeah. what interesting thing could happen? And I know I sound like I'm hipster cat right now, like... Uh, get out of the mainstream. But, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, a format for some kind of, you know, reality competition music show, but clearly the, the, the general public has embraced them wholeheartedly, so maybe they don't need to change the formula whatsoever. But I'm trying to think of how it would work to make me want to watch, and I got nothing. Nope, me neither. Uh, we also got some updates in terms of w good and bad ways to do social promotion of your music. So tell me yeah. about some of these things. Yeah, this was just sparked by a Reddit thread about some person. I'm not going to name names or I'm, and I'm not going to link this in the show notes. Um, but it's pretty much, uh, this guy, um, who was in charge. Or I don't know if he, he was a single artist or a band. But he basically left Facebook as many people do. They're just fed up with it. And then asking the question, yeah, now that I'm not on Facebook anymore, how can I do some good promotion for my band or for my music on the internet? And basically everyone said, well, you should get a Facebook again. <laughs> At least for, for that. I mean, even if you don't like Facebook, just uh, empty out your account, which I've heard is also better if you're, if you just delete it then everything's still there. It's just deactivated. But if you slowly start erasing all your data and then shut it down, it's it's supposedly less of a of a thing that they can still track you. But yeah, if you're in in the 
promotion and marketing business, you just can't avoid 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 Facebook. It's yeah. it's the same thing with if you wanna if you wanna receive payments from anyone in the world, you just can't go around PayPal unless you're yeah. going straight to Bitcoin. And even if you hate PayPal, it's just sometimes no way around it. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're like, oh, I hate this city. It's totally corrupt. I moved into the woods. But how do I get people to come out to a show? Yeah, it's basically that. It's like, well, you got to go back to the city, man, because that's where people are. And I get it. You hate the city, but too bad. Yeah, you can't have one without the other. That's the problem. And uh, in line with that, we've got another experiment that was conducted. Um, So somebody set up three Facebook pages and all they did was post exactly the same cat pictures at exactly the same time with exactly the same content the only difference is that with one of those pages they didn't um they, they only put up facebook ads so they paid for a bunch of ads nothing nothing else and with the other two they bought likes from two different online sellers and so they had this thing run for some time and it turned out that actually buying likes definitely kills your reach and kills your ad rank and you're better off not doing it in the first place. <laughs> so it was like uh was this like Facebook detecting that you like astroturfed your likes or something um, and it's or it's Google? more the, it's more the fact uh, it has it has to do with this ad rank uh, algorithm. So basically let's say you've got 1000 likes on your page but only 10 of those people actually interact with your page then your ad rank is really, really low. But if you only have 100 likes, but all of them interact with your page, your ad rank is really high, or at least in comparison. So that right. means if, you, if you're if you buying likes, there's uh, this whole amount of fake profiles that is that they are not interacting with your page, and so your reach is going down. And yeah. if you post the show to somebody, it's mostly those fake profiles and just a few of your actual fans. Yeah. And I mean, that's what Facebook is trying to sell is they, they want a better product to sell. They want attention and they want to right. measure attention and sell that to people who need attention. And right. uh, that, that's kind of the, the, the economy of Facebook. So yeah, if you're, if you're buying fake and then even if you're a band and you want attention, why is buying fake spam bot attention <laughs> worthwhile to you? No. Like these aren't people yeah. that are going to be at your show. They're not even people. So. It's just never worth it. In these last episodes where last time we talked about this with this one band that we were looking up for a gig, let's just say that it, it's never, it, it's just never a good idea to buy Facebook likes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then something else that happened. Um, also here, I'm not going to name any names and there's some, it's not all this, the situation isn't really all that clear, but, um, it sparked some other thoughts. So there was this band. They posted a video, a music video, a Facebook page, ripped this video off of YouTube and reposted it on their Facebook page. So instead of just linking directly to the video. And what happened then was that, of course, they complained about, wait, so they pretty much ripped this video. Now, um, of course, this this Facebook page is going to get some attention and also the music video. But yeah, it's I mean, I can understand if I post a video on my YouTube, I don't want somebody else to rip it and upload it somewhere else, even if it's the same content that still would link to me. It's just something that you don't do. So they more or less complained and people were very vocal about on this Facebook page and the Facebook page uh, owner apologized later on. And so this band did an AMA on Reddit. And there, this is the point where um, some things started to, to be pretty 
pretty strange, let's say. So <laughs> there were some alt accounts that were at one point, um, yeah, behaving like they were a fan of the music. At some point, somebody who was just discovering the music or one of the band members themselves, all under the same username, more or less. <laughs> and so, um, they're not very good at this fake thing. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are rumors about that they even, um, fake this whole PR stunt. That this all of this is a PR stunt about, uh, oh, they ripped our Facebook page. And now we can get some attention because we complain about this. But this thing is not so clear. But even without it, there is definite proof that they've used just some other accounts and, and yeah, try to be like, Hey, this music is so great. And now w without really going on and rambling about this one band, just this thought in general. I mean, people always say that even bad press is always good press, more or less. And the thing is, I don't, I don't think so in the sense that I immediately have, yeah, I, I don't really, uh, like people doing that. I mean, I talked about this last time when we were talking about this Facebook band, uh, Facebook like buying band, but, um, on the other hand, I can, I, I think, a lot of people got to know this band now and they didn't know that there was a shitstorm behind all of that because obviously there was some involvement with them and them. So yeah. is it worth it? What, what, what's your opinion on that? I think it's a hell of a gamble because yeah. I mean, maybe it works out. And if your music is actually good, maybe it won't matter because enough people will just be like, Hey, I like this stuff, whatever shenanigans. This is good stuff. And I'm sure there's lots of very popular bands that at some point in their life did some sort of shady trick. They had a friend at a music festival. They got onto the main stage because of totally unfair reasons and got in front of a huge audience. You know, like little, little shenanigans. And, uh, if your music is good, maybe you can float that. But I mean, if you do this, um, it could also just be horrifically damaging to your, to how people view you the rest of your career. And, yep. uh, it just, it's just a gamble and not one I would want to take, um, which I mean, easy for me to say having no like serious success in any <laughs> dimension, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I just, anything astroturfing like that, I just have zero taste for, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. And for me, it also, it would pretty much ruin the thing for me. Even if I said, oh, I like the song now, um, I think out of principle, I just would stop listening to that band just for that reason. Probably. Or at least, um, I don't know. It's just, I just think that it's, it's a shitty thing to do, more or less. <laughs> yeah. Because there, also for the, for the reason that there are bands who actually have those problems about their music being ripped to somewhere, somewhere else and small independent artists who, who get their songs ripped from Bandcamp and then somebody puts them up on a Russian MP3 site where you can get them for free. And even if the damage isn't all that huge, because mostly if you're unknown, you're not, you I'm not having the problem. I mean, I know there are some Russian sites who have my album, but, um, chances are, yeah, I mean, I, chances are that people won't even find them on there. But just out of principle, I think it's just a shitty thing to do and to, to play with that, that something that's really happening to yeah. other bands. I think it's just the, the internet is, is quite a mob. And sometimes they're a mob for like, woohoo, let's like lift this guy up and rocket him yeah. to success. And sometimes it's kill him. And, yeah. uh, when you do these little PR stunts, I mean, you might just attract the attention of a monstrous mob that wants to yeah. bury you. And, and life, life could get pretty bad for a while. 
Yeah, and the thing is with places like Reddit, you only need one person to figure all of this out and make a, make a comment on this and you're about to have even even if uh if there's not definitive definitive proof um people are just gonna rail behind them just for the sake of oh there's some controversy let's be against those people um so it's safe to say you just don't want to piss off the internet <laughs> and and even if it's if it's i mean okay reddit can be harsh a lot but um Of course, it's not in the same territory as Forge and maybe who sh you should never ever piss off. Yeah. Um, but it's safe to say that you, you should really play it safe. Just, uh, I, I'd rather be unknown than hated by, <laughs> by this part of the internet for my, my whole career. Yeah. And I mean, it also kind of amounts to like Reddit and, and similar communities are full of very bored people who have a lot of time. Either they're yeah. at a, they're at a job or they can sit at the desk and stare at the computer all day and do nothing. Or, you know, for whatever other reason, they're just, they're just online, just twiddling their thumbs. And so you get them riled up and give them a mission. They have time that you yeah. may not have, <laughs> um, to make your life suck for a while until, until yeah. the mob moves, the eye of Sauron of Reddit moves on to the next and thing. And there's, and there's usually no way to really defend yourself once this thing is going. So, I mean, what can you do? Shut down your social media accounts or just make them inactive for, for some time. Yeah. That's, that's not going to hinder them in some other ways. <laughs> They're gonna send black facts to you and pizzas and I don't know. Something's <laughs> always going to happen. Terrorism by pizza. <laughs> yep. Uh, so to end on a lighter note, um, we do have a, this hilarious video you just shared here and I've seen this before and I, I love this thing. Um, so, uh, David Letterman, uh, like any nighttime talk show has musical guests all the time. And, uh, apparently he has this habit of the same thing every single time. Um, he'll go straight to the drummer and say, nice drums. Are those yours? Are those a rental? Are those actually your drums? And just for some reason, just like, I, maybe it's really meta. He knows he's being ridiculous and like just decided every single time I'm going to ask the drummer if he owns his drums. But someone, of course, this is why YouTube exists. Someone made a super cut and, uh, I, I, yeah. Thanks for bringing this to my attention again, because it's always a good time. Yeah. <laughs> And he doesn't really do that to the guitar players or anyone else. So yeah, you, you can always see that some of them are really confused about... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not like, oh, the drummer, all right, we have a drummer, I forgot about him. But I mean, it's it's just usually you're you're used to, um, used to the fact that usually the singer or uh, possibly the lead guitarist is more or less the front man of the band. So him always going to the drama, maybe it's something about balancing those, those things That's out. That's true. Maybe he's doing it consciously being like, I want to put the drummer in the focus. Nobody looks at the drummer almost of the time, but then the bass is going to complain next time. So there's <laughs> really no way around it. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes me think of, uh, do you have any stories about, um, going up to bands after they play and, and asking them about their gear? Um, is that something you do at shows or? Um, sometimes, but then it's exclusively, uh, has to do with effect pedals. So most of the time I'm trying to get as close to the stage and watch their use of effect pedals. Sometimes if I don't know a pedal or don't know what it does, because it doesn't really say on the front, I, I really want to ask what, what's going on there. Or as, 
or if I see somebody playing with a laptop, I always want to know if uh, what kind of software is running there, what kind of synthesizers. It's mostly Ableton Live because it's made for that stuff. So um, I'm mostly interested just in this technology thing. And I mean, for a guitar, you can usually see on the front what kind of guitar it is and the name and the brand and all that. For drums, if you got if you got custom skins on there, of course, it doesn't. You can't tell. But um, I'm not as interested in drums to to ask the drummer what kind of drums he plays. As long as it can get loud, I'm 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 fine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so maybe from now on you can also just say, "Nice pedals, are those yours?" Yeah. <laughs> when you go up, I remember uh, when I saw the No Twist about ten, twelve years ago on their Neon Golden tour through the U.S. Uh, I definitely went up to Console. Um, I forget his real name, but he was part part of the no twist back then and it was just like you know i was like let's say i was 19 years old and i didn't really know anything about the sort of the digital side of music um and so i was just like this this from his perspective probably a very young kid just like hey how do you do that <laughs> how do you do all that stuff <laughs> and uh just you know he talked to me a little bit about about ableton even as far back as then he was he was all ableton live and um, just told me a little bit about how he, you you set up these signal chains and and do things, and uh, always nice when the, the artist is that friendly and like yeah every sing- there's always one of me at your show that's like <laughs> how do I sound how do I make sound <laughs> and uh, just nice when artists are very gracious and and act like it's the first time they've ever been asked and they're excited and. I mean, I mean, some of them probably genuinely are like, yes, I love to talk about how I do this stuff. And thanks for giving me the chance. Yeah, I remember going to a Battles concert in 2009 and, um, I was, I was at the front row, uh, in front of Ian Williams playing and he, the, the one thing I saw that he was actually sporting, uh, two MacBooks with both Ableton running. For some reason, I don't know until today why he needed two of those. Maybe one of them was just for the video projections. Um, but he also had in, uh, installed inside more or less his, um, his keyboard stand. There was a thing called Ian's Magic Box, which was just written with a Sharpie on there and some, some cables going in there. And to this day, I just don't know what that thing was. And I really wanted to ask him, but it's just this typical thing of they go on up off stage and you just can't find them anymore. And we wanted to go home at some point. But, um, if, if anybody knows what Ian's Magic Box is doing, <laughs> I'd really want to know. Maybe he still has it. Maybe next time I can ask him. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Oh, I do have a, a gig report. Oh, yeah, a gig <laughs> so report. Spontaneous gig report. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so I, I got to play drums for the first time in a long time uh, for a show. And uh, so this was for Montropo, and we played uh, the... And uh, my report is basically that I need to take care of my drums and uh, <laughs> probably uh, you know show them some love and attention. Um my, I have some heads on that drum that are probably at least five years old and, uh, like probably from early genetic engines recording. Like that's how old these heads are on the drums. And the, um, my main report is, uh, I tuned them up as best I could, but I think they could sound way better <laughs> if I just <laughs> replaced some missing pieces. Um, but I think the show went pretty well. Um, it was a, a weird arrangement because, uh, the show was kind of, uh, out of the desire to keep playing shows, but not having access to all the people 
we need and want to do like a full band. Um, so Andres was on acoustic and electric switching back and forth. And then, uh, Sarah was on keyboard just playing bass lines. And then I was on the drums and then we, we all had mics to sing. And then, you know, for some of the stripped down songs, I, I would get up and play electric while Andres drummed. And, uh, I have to say we were, we were kind of disappointed in the, the, the sound man. He, it was kind of a, a phoned in situation because, uh, something about the, the monitor mix and the arrangement and, uh, probably our placement on stage and some levels. Um, his acoustic was buzzing like crazy on certain notes. And just like, you know, we'd hit a certain chord and just you would hear the acoustic of. So it was um, all resonating then. Yeah, it was, it was resonating and, uh, we didn't really have a lot of time. Like the, the sound guy was able to eventually isolate the frequency that was going crazy and kind of kill it in the mix. But it, there was definitely a song or two that was kind of unpleasantly intruded upon by, by some resonation. <laughs> but I believe, uh, my brother recorded some video. So if I can track him down to, to give me some of that, I will, uh, throw it on YouTube. And anything else on the organ whole organization part of this of this gig? Anything that went completely wrong? I was everything as, as expected <laughs> when you showed up. Um, I it was pretty uneventful showing up, load in, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know, nothing to say. Right. <laughs> well, it's better than having having to tell a, a terrible story about how nothing's set up or. Nobody's there. I mean, at least if, if it's only yeah. about those, those resonance problems, well, I, then I guess that would be my main comment is the, oh, so, and maybe you can huh. edit this to make a little more coherent sense. Um, uh, no, I'm not, not at all. <laughs> We're just leaving this mess on the tape. All right. Um, so we get there at eight because load ends at eight and the show starts at 10 and it's just, uh, there's a headliner and then we're opening. And so the headliner wants to sound check first, which is kind of normal actually a lot. Um, headliner will sound check way before anyone's there and then they just go eat dinner and drink and do whatever they want until they play. Um, but uh, the, apparently the sound guy did not know this. And so, um, I mean, he, he helped them sound check like very solidly, very detailed for like half an hour, like all the levels dialed in everything. And then he just kind of went and sat around and we thought, um, he was going to like come get us when he was ready for us to sound check. And then after about 20 minutes of just nothing and like, we're getting closer and closer to gig time. Um, we finally like, uh, can we also sound check? Can we check levels? Can we get our stuff? And he was like, um, apparently he thought we were headlining and he was just clearly like whatever he thought. I think it was just clear that he didn't care and wasn't paying a lot of attention uh, to the order of the bands or what's going on. It was just kind of like waiting for things to happen to him. And so, um, we should have been more assertive earlier on, uh, about getting our, our sound check going. And maybe we would have had a little more time to, to isolate it and, and figure out those, those issues and be a little less rush and stressed. So a lot of things to learn. I, like we showed up plenty early, but then, you know, you, it, you kind of have to get the lay of the land. Like, do we have a guy who's on top of it who like, you know, you, you love and appreciate and he's like, this is going to be a good show. This is a very attentive sound person. Or are you in a situation where it's like, oh, we need to, fight for a decent experience 
for our audience really and for our own you know egos or just sense of quality and, and care that we want to put into the live show and so i this is something I've, I've struggled with over time is trying to put in that attention and care and assertiveness when you're in those situations where you're going to get a crappy sound situation. Yeah, I, I understand. It's most, it's mostly this thing of you don't want to seem like an asshole bossing around somebody else who supposedly should know what he's doing, but sometimes you just get the feeling that that person doesn't know what he's doing. And yeah, you've got to, you got to somewhere walk this narrow line of, uh, I, I want to have everything working and sound good, but I don't want to be an ass to this guy because he can yeah. also pretty much crap on us yeah there's a sense of like you don't want to get mad at the waiter before they bring your food out because yeah they might spit in it so right <laughs> yeah so not naming names and i hope there's not only one sound guy at that venue maybe you can uh bleep out the venue name <laughs> for me i can do that <laughs> so shall we pick of the week we, we shall pick of the week so my pick of the week this week is block party letter to my son This is one of those tracks that I only got to know about half a year after this album was released because once again, this was a song that was on some kind of special edition, but not the physical copy that I had. And, um, but it's, it's also sometimes it's fun to find something, this little gem at the end of something that you didn't know it even existed. So it's not really that I'm so mad about this. It's just, yeah, you, you could have put the song on the, on the regular CD because it's awesome. And that's why I picked it. So, um, um, just a little bit of, uh, current news. They supposedly are back in some way. They're playing gigs soon or, or on a festival only with half the original people on there, but it's, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what, what's this coming about. So, um, I'm just gonna play a little part of this song right here. So very untypical sound uh, up to that point for for a block party song. Now usually they are really, yeah, almost danceable at some parts, or or at least very very hard sounding sometimes. But this song not so much. It's kind of you could strip it out, you could strip it down a little bit, uh, leave the drums out. It would be a very pleasant acoustic song. But um, this is this is really what caught my ear back then when I found it. It was just something different, but also amazing. You could hear it was Block Party, but it was not the same Block Party that you knew, especially with that album on it. Uh, it was an intimacy, I think, which was kind of electronic at some parts, really, and very experimental. So maybe that's the reason they left it off for for the regular edition. Yeah. And um, what's what's your what's your thought on that song? So. Um very, very uh, upbeat and racing kind of tune, uh, almost veering into like punk as far as the drum beat goes. Just, just very fast paced and aggressive. Um, uh, my, my struggle with Bach Party is I've never really liked his vocals. And so I'd have to let him grow up on me, grow up <laughs> on me. <laughs> Not like he sounds like a child, but, um, grow on me. And I think there's just sort of a, um, this is probably not their fault. Um, there's this old, uh, voice modulation effect Justin used to put on a character he did for, this is like really old pseudo book, like early 2000s. Um, he called them corn dog and corn dog would review <laughs> movies. And for some reason in some block party songs, 
that's what he sounds like, whatever vocal effects. <laughs> and I've had trouble separating from thinking about Corn Dog, this very comedic <laughs> situation. And so somehow the the more earnest and intense the Block Party song, the more ridiculous it kind of sounds to me. <laughs> and uh so I know this is like weirdly anecdotal, but um I I enjoyed the the musicality of the song greatly on the all the layers and all the 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 intensity of the beat and the speed um was great so how about your pick of the week so i went with uh tame impala and they have a song called jeremy's storm this is off their debut album which is probably four or so years old now and uh i love this track it's instrumental they, they do sing on a lot of their stuff um but this one is pure psychedelic rock it's uh um I'm not one that partakes in a lot of controlled substances, but um, this would definitely be a song you'd want to just be in a, a cloud of marijuana and just kind of like bobbing your head around and, and listening Which to. Which festival was that again with the Mariana? <laughs> uh, Marley Fest. No. Uh, yeah. It would just say Burning Man every time and you'll be correct. But um, yeah, maybe let's just check out a little bit of this. Jeremy's Storm. So my favorite part of the song is definitely the guitars. And, uh, I mean, the drums are, are pleasant just as this kind of trance it can kind of put you into. But, um, there's very melodic picking patterns on the guitar that interact really well. And they have some, definitely some psychedelic, psychedelic, uh, pedal situation happening. And, uh, I don't know. Did you get a chance to listen through this one? Yes, I did. I, I listened like two or three times because, um, when the song was over, I didn't really notice that, uh, yeah, that I really actually listened to the song. I had to listen back a few times because it's, it's a really pleasant song, but for some reason it was really hard to focus on it. Maybe because there's not really a focus in the song, really. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you started with the guitar. The, I mean, first of all, everything sounds great in the song, but so you get a guitar, you focus on the guitar, and then everything else sets in. And from that moment on, the drums are pretty much in the background. You've got this one guitar on the left, the one guitar on the right. They interact with each other, but it slowly starts to fade into the background when I listen to it. And so I had to re-listen and then halfway through the song I noticed, uh, more or less after the second playthrough, I noticed wait, I only again listened to the first half really. And <laughs> I've, I've never really had that before with a song where I had to listen three times until I actually captured the song in my head. Um, so was it like the equivalent of like you're trying to read a book and you realize you went to the bottom yeah, of the page and you're like, oh, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't read half of these paragraphs. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened to me with this song. And um, I'm probably have to, I'm probably going to have to listen back a few more times yeah. because it is a great song. The songs, uh, the parts that I, I listened to actively really, <laughs> they, it was pleasant. As you just said, this whole interplay with the two guitars, uh, especially because those guitars have a, have a really interesting, interesting sound with this subtle effect. I don't know if it's flange or a phaser or something. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm but, actually usually pretty anti phaser and flange. Yeah. And, uh, but again, the genre they're operating in is very receptive to those effects and it, it seems to have a home there that I wouldn't want to hear in most other places. <laughs> 
Yeah, flanges can really sound pretty cheesy unless you put them on a nice sounding um, synth pad and just have yeah. it like to to a setting of 10% wetness or so. It can work really well, but yeah, on guitars, flanges and phases, you, you gotta you gotta be careful with that. And the the quickest way to sound like late 80s or even early 90s is to put phaser on drums and like oh, especially yeah. <laughs> like on a specific drum fill like, <laughs> um so um they avoid most of those pitfalls and yeah i totally get what you're saying like this is a song that kind of seeps into the background and i mean it mm-hmm. is an instrumental song which a lot of times instrumental songs are that way anyway um i could see that as a knock maybe it's like yeah the song kind of disappears and you don't notice it and sometimes you want that, sometimes you don't. Um, but they're they're an interesting band, and if you haven't checked out Tame Impala's stuff, they they make very interesting songs, and um, their singing's good too. Their singing makes it even more psychedelic sounding. So um, definitely check them out. Will do. So that's it for Bits and Pieces, episode 16. Uh, you can find show notes with links to all the articles and tools and, and videos and songs we talked about. Um, you can head to sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 16. And uh, if you're just uh, streaming this on the web, that's cool. But if you uh, want this to be even easier to check out our show, you can subscribe uh, if you have a podcasting app on your phone. Um, podcast comes with every iOS device, but you can also use overcast.fm. There's also, uh, uh, what are the Android ones? Podcast Addict. Yeah. These are free apps and they, they work great. And uh, you can uh, just uh, click the RSS button on our site or search for us through the apps and uh at our show and that way every single week uh, it'll be downloaded automatically you just press play and uh, enjoy and um, we also love feedback so uh, we're on twitter it's probably the best way to interact with us and if uh, you want to you know send us cool songs or react to some of the topics we talked about um, definitely hit us up on twitter i'm at medwards music and matt you are at echo locks and uh we love that feedback um, if you uh, want to support the show, you can uh, head to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And, uh, depending on your donation level, we'll actually say your name live on the show. And as always, super special thanks to Bruce Edwards and Andreas Lunga. Uh, you guys make the show possible. You keep us going and, uh, that benefits everyone. So with that, we'll see you next week. 